Hi there, I'm Neri and this is the first episode of Broken Kayfabe, a podcast that focuses on WWE pay-per-view events, talks about it at length match by match, and then rates the show at the end. Just a few hours ago, WWE wrapped up Fastlane in what would be an ugly, ugly bow. <laughs> For the first time in a pay-per-view event, I actually watched the kickoff show, because one, I had nothing to do that day, and two, I knew I was doing this, so I wanted to kind of have a look at everything. But I don't think it's something I'll continue doing. I'll probably just do the main shows. But um, in saying that, the kickoff show made me realise a few things. That Booker T and Renee Young should be switched to main roster commentating. Or at least Renee Young. I mean, she showed she can do it when she used to commentate NXT. And I think she was one of the better commentators on NXT. So she should be moved from the kickoff show and interviews and stuff and just do commentating. Because she'll liven it up, I feel. Because right now, I mean, WWE's commentating is a bit of a joke. It has been for a while, but I feel like someone new like Renee Young, especially a female voice on the commentating table, would bring a kind of fresh vibe to it, at least for a little while. I mean, I know it'll probably get stale quite quickly, but it can't hurt to at least give it a shot. And like I said, she did really well on NXT. I don't know why they didn't just move her over to the main roster, but maybe it's her call. Maybe it was the higher up, but who knows? Um, I realized for the first time as well that Booker T is still over like crazy. I was surprised to, to hear the crowd chant for him when he... Like, I understand it's a kickoff show, so the the crowds are just coming in and, you know, it's not as much of a crowd as it will be on the main show. But the amount of cheer that he got from just that little section was quite loud. I was quite impressed. And I'm glad he's still over. Like, Booker T was one of my favourites. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see. Although, in talking about Renee Young and Booker T, I'd love to know who writes Booker T's stuff because he just talks shit. And Renee Young mostly just tries to talk over him to make sense of what she's trying to say over Booker T's rambling. It's funny, but it's also ridiculous. Like, Renee Young obviously wants to do her job, and Booker T's just there to have fun. Like, Booker T doesn't care. He's a Hall of Famer. Like, you know, they're not going to fire him anytime soon. He can pretty much do what he wants. So, yeah, I see where both of them are coming from. But I just feel bad for Renee Young a little bit. As the kickoff show went on, Small Joe had an interview. And damn, that boy talks real good. Like, I've seen Samoa Joe since NXT and a couple of his indie things. Like, I've seen his match with Necro Butcher and a couple of his stuff in Ring of Honor. Um, he cuts a really good promo. Like, I know it's an interview, but it's just him using his promo skills. And But yeah, he drew me in quite a lot, especially. Like, I looked more forward to his match than what I would have been just if I watched the main show. So, I mean, yeah, he did good at talking himself up, which he doesn't really need. I mean, Samoa Joe's a beast. So... He could have just walked out there and do what he does and I would have been stuck like glued to the TV. But the fact that he talked it up was like just got me that much more interested. Um, there was one match in the kickoff show, so I wasn't a complete waste of time, which was good. Uh, Rich Swan and Akira Tozawa. I really like Rich Swan. He's one of my favorite cruiserweights on the roster. Akira Tozawa I haven't really seen much of, but he was real good uh, in the match, at least for what he did. Uh, and they versed the Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar with Alicia Fox, who I thought either left or was fired because I hadn't seen Alicia Fox in ages since I had those like three mini stables with the with the divas or the women. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen her since like all that broke up. I had no idea what happened to her, and then all of a sudden she showed up yesterday, and apparently she's like being the girlfriend of like five different cruiserweights or, or something. I don't really understand her angle or what they're trying to do with her. I hope it leads to something, but so far it doesn't seem like it has. Rich Swan was the best part of that whole match. Like, that guy's crazy. He's talented as hell. He flies, which is nice, because I remember when they were doing the Cruiserweight Classic, 
the cruiserweights flew around the ring like they let them loose but ever since that stopped and they shut up on raw and they're doing a 205 live they've been grounded a lot more so to see someone like rich swan flying around it's like that's why you watch at least that's why i watch the cruiserweights to see flying around if i want to watch like anything else i just watch the other matches i know it sounds stupid because everyone has their own style like jack gallagher is known to not be a flyer like he's a i guess he's more of a technical wrestler in a way but like that like it's all right to see it if they're not a high flyer but when they are a high flyer and they don't fly around it's at least for me it's, especially in a pay-per-view it feels a bit wasted so it's good to see rich one doing that the crowd was more into it than usual like i remember like again cruiserweight classic the crowd were really into it because they knew what they were getting into and stuff <clears throat> when they started coming up on raw and stuff it was like they lost all that momentum like the crowd just didn't care they were there but like it was boring because like i said it was like their wings were clipped like none of them were flying around and stuff but also the crowd just was dead the whole time it was like the bathroom break match and it was sad to see like i remember back in like the early 2000s and stuff with the cruiserweights and you had the cruiserweight title and whatnot everyone loved the cruiserweights like ray and uh, jericho and like just a bunch of like especially in wcw and stuff like people love the cruiserweights and to see it now happening in 2017 where the crowd isn't really into it like they forgot how fun the cruiserweights can be it's a bit sad but i hope it picks up like cruiserweights were always some of my favorite parts of the show so yeah i hope it continues to do well like the crowd like i said seemed into it so hopefully that just keeps building although like i said rich one was my favorite on the flip side no i am dar was boring as hell like you know it's bad when your girlfriend in air quotes <laughs> is more entertaining than you are on the show like like whenever they show alicia fox she was more entertaining than he was i don't know why that is like that shouldn't be the case but he just seemed like he just didn't know what he was doing from what i like from what i would could see he was just like all over the place almost i don't know if that's his gimmick or if that's like his or if that was just he was nervous or something but he just didn't look he just didn't look like he deserved to be in that ring i suppose especially with people like brian kendrick and rich one and even um akira tozawa like he was so below everybody else like again it could just be the day or it could just be that he just wasn't in the same league as them at the moment hopefully he picks his game up like he has alicia fox for a reason i suppose like she's trying to prop him up or something along those lines so we'll see what happens maybe she'll help him get over or like help him get the like the push that he needs to get to the spot that he needs to because right now he's not there as far as i can see also as the match was going on i was checking out the crowd because i always do that from time to time like i like to see how the crowd reacts if they're into a match if they're not into a match if they're paying attention or if they're talking amongst themselves i always check it out the way i see it a crowd can make or break a match if they're into it you're into it all that more because you hear the crowd reaction and that pumps you up as well but if they're not if they're quiet and nothing's happening it kind of takes you out of it at least that's how i feel like it takes me out of it because they're not reacting so i'm like well if they're bored then why should i be interested i know it might be a silly way to see it but that's just how i feel so anyway i was looking in the crowd and i realized this dude in the front row was dressed as bray white like you know you have people that always come in the same kind of stuff you have the guy that dresses as hulk hogan the guy that dresses as randy savage you have the guy in the red baseball cap and stuff so there's a few of them that are always around they always get a pay-per-views and shows and stuff but i've never seen this guy before i don't know if it was intentional if he was dressed as bray wyatt intentionally or if it was just his everyday get up but 
Yeah, he looked like Bray Wyatt. I couldn't stop looking at him throughout the whole show. Like, and he was like, you know, he sat there and he like joined in and stuff. But yeah, it was just funny to see. Like, obviously, because Bray Wyatt's not on Raw, he's on SmackDown. So the fact that this guy dressed up at a, at a Raw pay per view as Bray Wyatt made me laugh a little. The finish to the match well, wasn't too bad. Like, you know, Rich Swan hit his finish. And I thought when I watched it the first time before they showed the replay, I thought Noam Dar moved and Rich Swan had to like reach out to grab him because I'm pretty sure he only hit him with his arms, which happened like two, three times on the pay-per-view, which was weird because usually people hit their splashes and stuff like right on point. But like a few people missed, like Charlotte missed and well, Rich Swan missed. I don't know if anyone else missed, but um, anyway, so Rich Swan hit his finish on Noam Dar and like I said, I thought he moved. But watching the replay, he didn't. Um, Rich one just miscalculated. But it still looked alright. Like, it looked like they hit him enough to be the finish. Uh, the match was alright. Like, it was a bit how you going at the beginning. But it seemed to pick up in the last few minutes, which is alright. I mean, I like to see a match that goes kind of, you know, starts off and then kind of dips a bit and then brings the crowd back into it. But, like, this match seems to just, like, go up as it went along. I don't think it ever reached the point they wanted it to, but... Near the end of it, it all kind of seemed to work out. So that was good. Um, as a rating at a 10, I'd probably give it a 6. Just because, like, uh, Rich One was entertaining. Uh, Brian Kendrick did what he does. And everyone was good in it, pretty much, except Noam Dar. Um, as a kickoff show match, I mean, like I said, I never really watch kickoff shows. But as a kickoff show match, I don't think it was too bad. Like, it got the crowd into it that was there. There was more crowd coming in as it went. But, yeah, so after that, we had a few more... Um, hype reels and stuff but then the main show started uh it was officially became the last stop to wrestlemania after the next few hours it would be straight to wrestlemania which is always nice i always like wrestlemania season i always enjoy the royal rumble and then like the next two i'm kind of like ah but then mania comes up and i'm like all right here we go um so yeah so for the last stop to wrestlemania um yeah i wish it was better but <clears throat> we just start from the beginning uh, it's always fun, you know, to hear Michael Cole's voice first thing in a pay-per-view when it starts. That's always nice. Actually, to be honest, I um, I really miss <laughs> I really miss hearing Jr's voice at the beginning. Like, you know, he always sounds so excited when uh, like he'd always tell you where it was. It, the camera would go over all the people with their signs. Before, like, there used to be a ton of signs. Not so much anymore. But he'd always hear Jr's voice and he'd always pump you up for Raw or like a pay-per-view. Michael Cole just doesn't have that effect. Like. I don't know if it's just because his voice is... I wouldn't say turned off by it, but, like, we're just... Um, we're just sensitised to it. But I don't know. I mean, JR was the voice of Raw for years and years, and, like, no one ever got tired of his voice. So, I don't know. It's two different people. Just Michael Cole feels stale. And he has for years. But anyway, that's my own opinion on Michael Cole, I suppose. But the first match to come out the gates was Sami Zayn and Samoa Joe. And I have to admit, I always still get worried when Sammy throws his arms up, like during his entrance, because I always, I'm always worried he's gonna throw his shoulder out like he did in that Cena match. Like every time he does it, I just cringe a little bit. I'm like, just relax, take it easy, you know. But no, like, I mean, that's his entrance. He's not gonna change it just because it threw his shoulder out one time. I mean, maybe he should, but I do think it does it a little bit more easier now. Like he doesn't throw him so haphazardly. Um, he just, like, he does it, but he just takes it easy. At least that's how I see it, but I just feel like maybe sometimes I get a bit worried, but that's just me. Um, I almost forgot, because I haven't seen Samoa Joe wrestle. Well, obviously, Joe hasn't really wrestled since 
as far as I know, he hasn't wrestled since his last match with Shinsuke on NXT. But I could be wrong. I haven't really been keeping up with the like shows with SmackDown and Raw. Like I watch like clips on YouTube and stuff, but um, that's about it really. Like I watch the pay per views because they're always like they're always the combination of a storyline usually. So anyway, as far as I as far as I know, he hasn't wrestled. But now that I'm thinking about it, he might have wrestled on Raw one time. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But anyway, I haven't seen him wrestle since uh, since NXT. Um, so I kind of almost forgot how much of a badass he is. But right at the gate, man, Joe just dominated for a good portion of the match. Like, he was kicking Sami Zayn's ass. I was pretty sure it was going to be a squash match. Like, I thought that, um, I thought that Sami wasn't going to get any offense in. I thought that, um, it was just going to be Joe. Joe was going to show his dominance. Why, you know, show why Triple H picked him, uh, to be in the new stable of factions. Um... But all of a sudden, Sami Zayn starts bringing stuff out, and I was surprised that he hit the blue thunderbomb. Um, I didn't think he was going to get that far in the match. Like I said, I thought it was going to be a squash match. I thought he was probably going to get a few like knife edge chops and maybe a couple kicks in, uh, maybe like an attempted halluva or something. But I didn't think he'd get the blue thunderbomb in. I didn't think he'd be able to not be able to pick Joe up, but I thought he'd be like, oh, he'd give it a shot. He wouldn't be able to do it, and that was it. Uh, but the fact that like you know he tried to do it, couldn't do it, and then he went there again like straight away and he hit it. It was pretty good like it was a good Sami Zayn is a good worker like he's really a good worker and so is, so is Joe obviously like <clears throat> there's no doubt there but because Sami's been getting squashed a lot by like Braun and now Joe um you forget how kind of good he is but he's like such a good worker like he knows how to tell a story um he's a great seller like he sells like nobody on the company um yeah like I don't know why they keep kicking him down like Sami Zayn deserves to be shot up to stardom but you know maybe one day maybe just not yet um because you know he has the underdog card like ray used to have and you know when ray would fight like the big guys he'd always seem like he would come back but then you know usually always get squashed at the end so i guess sammy's kind of the same trend um he's one of the smaller guys in the company now i think minus the cruiserweights obviously but um yeah i hope like they don't do it forever i hope in like i hope not 10 years down the track sammy's still getting jobbed out and stuff so yeah, uh, that was a good match. Um, Joe's handprint on his leg from slapping it all the time made me laugh. I like that Sammy played possum to get that roll up. Um, the fact that Joe won by Kikita Clutch, I probably botched that, uh, was good. I mean, you know, that's how he's that's how he's been kind of like taking Sammy down on the weeks leading up to uh, Fastlane. So the fact that he cinched it in and stuff, and people take the Kikita Clutch like champs, like they look like. They're about to die if he holds. I mean, I guess that's the point. He's choking him out, and like Joe's eyes rolled to the back of his head. I like, I like how the, I like the whole sell of it from both Joe and the opponent. Um, but yeah, the match was good. Um, it was an obvious outcome. Unfortunately, like we all knew Joe was going to win. Um, no one really bet on Sammy. Uh, they wouldn't put Joe with Triple H if he was going to start losing. And like you know, and they wouldn't have brought him up to NXT. Uh, they wouldn't have brought him up from NXT either if he was going to start losing. I mean, Joe's a machine. Like he's, you know, he's a destroyer. <laughs> so um, yeah, he's good. Like it'll be a long time till we see some old Joe lose. But um, unless he loses to to um, Rollins in Mania, if Rollins is cleared and Triple H doesn't want to fight him, but that that's a long shot. Like I don't know. I'm excited to see what's going to happen between Rollins and Hunter. 
um, at Mania, but you know, time will tell. Um, but yeah, so seven out of ten for that. It was a good match. Probably one of the better matches on the card, actually. After that, Enzo and Cass versus Gallows and Anderson for the tag team titles. Um, the baby faces, obviously, Enzo and Cass are still over as ever. I'm surprised how many people um, do the whole uh, thing at the beginning. I mean, I do it. Like I'm like, oh man, I'm so sick of these guys. And then I'm like, my name is Enzo Amore, and I do the whole thing. Um, I still don't understand why Cass slaps his knee at the beginning of the entrance. Like, it's even before, like, Cass says a seven-foot tall, and he, like, points up. Like, if he hit his leg, then point it up. But, like, he hits his knee, and then, like, I don't know, a few minutes later, he points up. So, I'm like, it just makes no sense to me. Maybe he's, I don't know. I, I don't know why he does it. I'd like to ask him if I ever met the guy, but I probably wouldn't because he's a lot taller than I am, and I'd be scared to ask him anyway. In the ring, fuck man, Enzo spews a whole lot of shit. And you can tell that like he loses the crowd almost every time too. Like the crowd's all excited, yeah, and then he starts talking shit. And then they just kind of lose the crowd a bit. But then the crowd always comes back because like he brings, like Enzo always finds a way to bring it back. Enzo's real good on the mic, I'll give him that. He just spews a lot of shit. And sometimes he goes on for far too long. I remember one time I was watching Raw and he just continued on. And even Cass was looking at him like, come on, you gotta start wrapping it up. But yeah, as I was watching the match, I just kept thinking to myself, and I do like Enzo and Cass. Like, I really like them in NXT. I liked them when they started on the main roster. But as I was watching, I'm like, why does Cass keep Enzo around? Like, all he does is get his ass kicked. And I get that's the story they're trying to tell. Like, you know, um, Big Cass is, like, the heavy, and Enzo's the one that's scrappy, but he gets his ass kicked, and then Big Cass comes in. But, like, Big Cass is pretty over, as far as I can tell. Like, he could have maybe not a successful singles competition. Not yet, but, like, he could build up to something. I feel maybe not Enzo so much because Enzo doesn't have much of an offense. He just gets his ass whooped and Big Cass comes in to help. So yeah, I have no idea why Cass, like in the real world I'm talking about, like I get that like in WWE they're best friends and I mean they are, must be really good friends. They travel together and stuff. It's just I don't understand in the real world why Cass would keep Enzo around. But in the WWE ring, I totally understand, of course, they're a tag team. Um, I was watching the match, obviously. And nothing much was happening, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, Enzo was getting his butt kicked. Um, and then he went to... And then one thing that I liked was that when he went to go for a tag... And I always like seeing this stuff. Like, Mojo Riley, who I cannot stand, does it real well. Um, Anderson comes into the ring and Enzo goes for the tag. He runs for the corner. And Anderson just, like, shoulder budges him out of the way. That, like, that, like tackle interception. I really enjoy seeing that. I don't know what it is, but... Something about it always like always makes me feel like you know eat that sucker like it came out of nowhere, like and I like like moves that come out of nowhere, not like the RKO how it always comes out of nowhere, but like just moves that like you don't see coming where it looks like they're going for a tag and then bang like see you later. But unfortunately with this match, I was able to zone in and out of it quite often, and not feel like I missed anything. And I never like that one. I never like zoning out. It's like when you go to the movies and you start looking at the time every few minutes because you're bored. And you want it to end and you don't know how long it's gone for. That's how I kind of felt with this match. Like, I could have walked away. I could have made myself some food. I could have come back. And I still wouldn't have missed anything. I could have figured out everything that had happened in the match. And I really don't like doing that. There needs to be some substance. And I don't feel like there was in this match all that much. Like, the interception was nice. But that was pretty much the only part of the match where I went, oh, that was cool. And, yeah, but at least, I mean, they didn't throw Gallows and Anderson to the Wolves. I remember when they were doing that, they're like, doctor gimmick and everyone was saying they came out of japan for this like wwe is treating them like garbage they should have just stayed in japan 
But now that they're the champs, it's not doesn't feel like like they didn't just get fed to Enzo and Cass, which I personally thought was going to happen. I thought, well, they're the champs now, but now he's just going to be delivered to Enzo and Cass, then Enzo and Cass will be champs. So I'm glad that didn't happen. I actually like Gallows and Anderson. Like they re- they were really good in Japan. Um, so I hope they're going to start doing that more. Like I get that the comedy thing isn't a bad thing, like in the bigger picture, but they need to kick more ass and be a bit more serious. And I feel like that's what they've been doing now with the titles and stuff. So it's good to see. But in saying that, with Enzo and Cass, if they keep losing, I do wonder um, how much longer they're going to stay over. Because a team that keeps losing... And again, I don't really watch the main show, so I don't know if they've been losing. I mean, they must be number one contenders for a reason. But if they keep losing the big one, then people are going to stop giving a crap about them. Like, they need to start racking up big wins. All in all, though, I give the match about a 6 out of 10. It was alright. Like, it wasn't completely boring, but it's nothing that I'd never seen before. Um, I wish I had a bit more to it. Um, but yeah, so... It was... Like I said, it wasn't boring. Enzo and Cass are always entertaining. Um, Anderson and Gallows um, are badasses, so that's always good to see. Um, but so, yeah. After that, the next match uh, to come on was Nia Jax uh, versus Sasha. I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks. Like I like this whole women's... Well, it's just not a revolution anymore just because, like, you know, they've been having great matches for a few years now. Now it's a legit thing. Like, you know, people... I guess take it a lot more seriously than they used to back in the day, even a few years ago. But um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks. And, uh, like she's obviously going to do great things in the company. She already has. Uh, I don't care much for Nia Jax. I don't think she was ready to be caught up uh, when she was. Like there was a bunch of them that I didn't think were ready. I didn't think Alexa Bliss was ready, but she's kind of changed my opinion of her in a kind of short amount of time. Um, but. Nia Jax, I just don't see it. Like, <laughs> I feel like the way they book her and stuff, she feels like a poor man's Braun Strowman, um, which is saying something because Braun Strowman, who I think is a lot better than what I would have given him credit for, still needs a bit of work. So to call Nia Jax a poor man's Braun Strowman is, I mean, I guess it tells you how I feel about it, really. Um, it was a bit disappointing because the match was, it was a lot slower than a lot of other matches that Sasha has had. A lot of her matches have been with Charlotte, so I guess that's why like Charlotte's an incredible athlete, and I guess that's why they can do a faster pace, where Nia Jax is, one, a bigger girl, and two, she's slower than Charlotte, and so and she's not as up to... Uh, she's not in Charlotte's league whatsoever, or Sasha's, to be honest. But, um, yes, yeah, so it was a lot slower. It was a lot less interesting because of that. I think Sasha Banks works better with a quicker pace, where she can run around and do suicide dives through the ropes and just be crazy. I mean, Sasha bumps like a ragdoll, and she needs to really stop doing that because um, when Nia Jax threw her across the ring, she landed like... Like, most people land on their back or as best as they can, but she landed, like, on her side and rolled around. It was... I mean, it's what Sasha Banks does, but... Jesus, like, I feel... I, like, feel sorry for her sometimes, <laughs> at least for her body, because, like, it goes through so much stuff. I mean, she's already had problems with her back and whatnot, and it's because she bumps like crazy. Like, I understand it's what she does like you know she doesn't like it's not like she doesn't know how to take a bump she obviously does but the way she does it it's obviously her kind of signature thing but sometimes you watch it and you're like oh jesus like that like you feel the pain from the other side of the tv um so 
hopefully she takes it easy eventually from doing that but at the same time it's interesting to see while i was watching and i was listening to the commentary as one does and it just annoys me how much cole loves to ignore nxt like it doesn't he acts like it doesn't exist like it's like we're meant to forget that Nia lost clean to Bailey for um, when she went to her for the title because she was. Uh, he's saying that um, you know, like Nia hasn't lost since entering the company or hasn't lost clean since entering the company, and it's like, I know NXT and WWE are technically like NXT is a brand of WWE, just like Raw and SmackDown is. So to ignore it completely just seems a bit weird. But you know, Michael Cole does what Michael Cole does, and I guess he still gets paid for it for some reason. The finish was a bit messy, but I guess I can somewhat believe if i disconnect from reality that uh sasha banks can pull down nia jacks and roll her up with a pin um nia jacks torture act though went for like five years like she just wouldn't put it down and then when she went to throw it down and sasha banks put her in the guillotine i'm like i've seen that before and as it continued i realized it was the way bailey finished her match with nia when they were in nxt she put her in a guillotine at like three or four different times and like nia jackson that i'm tapping out um, and I thought the same thing was going to happen. I thought they were just going to um, copy that finish, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad it was a... Like, when it finished, I was glad it was, like, a part of the match that they did that. But I'm glad it wasn't the finish. But I guess I can believe that messy finish. I guess I can believe that um, Sasha can roll up Nia Jax like that. And I guess I can believe Sasha Banks can pull down Nia Jax and roll her up for a pin like that. If I, you know, try to disconnect myself from reality. Apparently, I read after that. Sasha was actually supposed to grab the ropes uh, when she rolled her up for a bit of leverage and like to like cement a kind of a heel turn that she was doing. Uh, but obviously, I guess they were out of position or Sasha forgot to grab for the ropes and she just bridged. But I don't know. It's just, it seems weird all around. Um, but as I said, I guess I can kind of believe it if I really kind of not think about it too much. The match was decent i guess like sasha was really the only good part about it um i still don't think nia Jax should have been called up i still think she should be in nxt she has a lot to work on i'd give it a four out of ten just because sasha was the only good part on the offense and everything else just felt slow and didn't feel like anything was moving forward with nia Jax. but you know hopefully she gets better like i haven't ridden her off completely but so far not so good i suppose um the next thing was kind of weird, and I guess it was because they needed a filler because they knew how short the last match was going to be. So it was a weird Jinder Mahal and Rusev thing where they both had singles matches, but they came out at the same time, which I've never seen before that I can think of. Um, so Jinder Mahal versus Cesaro. Uh, the whole gimmick, I mean, yeah, the whole gimmick was just weird, but... Like, you know, one they come out together and they ended up fighting and blah, blah. And then Jinder Mahal knocks out Rusev, which... Poor Rusev, man. Whatever happened to his push? I feel bad for him. Like, he was such a top contender. And now all of a sudden, they're doing this. Like, they wouldn't do this to, like, a Roman Reigns or, like, anybody like that. Like, they wouldn't do it to Cena. They wouldn't do it to Styles. So why do it to Rusev? I mean, he has potential to be, like, one of the top stars, but they keep holding him down. It's a lot like Cesaro. Like, Cesaro has the potential to be a massive star but they keep pushing him down like they don't think he's worth it and obviously like they are like the crowd's behind them and stuff i know like the crowd don't really chant for Rusev, but that's because he's like a top heel but if you if you listen to what people say and stuff like on the internet and whatnot um 
they're all for Rusev, and I am too. I think Rusev's fantastic. I mean, just because they had like the crowd as a champ for that's because he's a heel. Like you got to put your heels over sometimes. Um. Anyway, uh, as Cesaro came out, I keep having the same thought. They really got to get those sirens off, especially if he's doing that kind of spy James Bondy type thing, how he walks out with like you know James Bond walks out, looks through the barrel and stuff, and they're doing that with him, like. If they're gonna do that, commit. Don't put the sirens in there. Make it more like a spy film. I'm not saying put the James Bond theme, but like, make it a bit more spy esque or something. I don't know. Just change it up a little. If you're gonna change your entrance, change your whole entrance. And plus, those sirens are ridiculously awful. But in saying that, and this is completely gone the other way. And it, like into the match, Cesaro kills it every time. Like I said, he's one of the best um, on the roster. And yeah, he's insane. Like his strength is incredible. Like, he just grabs people and like tosses them around and stuff. Like you wouldn't expect to see that from a guy that looks like him. Like he's built like crazy, but he's not like big show big, you know. So like grabbing people out just the air like that, it blows you away almost every time. But yeah, he's because I do hope they put like I know they they're doing great stuff with him and Sheamus, but they need to push him more as a singles competitor at least eventually. Like once the whole thing with Sheamus breaks apart, start making him go up. But they should have done that years ago and they never did, so I don't see it happening now. Uh, I always find it sad, like, as the match as the match went on, the crowd started chanting boring, because, like, it was, like... And I don't blame Cesaro for it, I blame Jinder Mahal, like, I don't know what his thing is, he just... He was just, like, showboat. Or I wouldn't call it showboating. He just wasn't doing anything, like, for the most part, he was just standing there, like, just doing nothing. So, yeah, I always feel sad when... It, uh, crowd chants boring during a Cesaro match because like he's not usually boring but yeah that match just sucked and of course because they're pushing the Jinder Mahal Rusev feud Cesaro couldn't win clean he had to win by Rusev distraction so I didn't like that too much I mean Cesaro obviously has the means to beat anyone clean especially Jinder Mahal so the fact that he needed a distraction to beat him I found that a bit weird but, yeah, the match was just boring. And I, eventually, I just gave it a 3 out of 10 because it was like... It didn't... It wasn't needed. Like, obviously, they just put it in there because they needed to stretch the pay-per-view out a bit. And you could feel it. And then Russo starts his match like Jinder Mahal. He started his by taking the other one out. Jinder Mahal just put a left after his match. But, you know, it is what it is. I kind of... I guess I understand it. Like I said, they need to push the feud. So... That's another way to do it. Then Big Show comes out, which actually surprised me because I didn't expect Big Show to come out. Especially because it looks like his match at Mania is not going to happen, so they don't really need to push him, I guess. But, man, Big Show looks better than ever, I think. He, like, I mean, I've seen like you know the workout photos and whatnot, but he looks great, like better than he has probably his whole career ever since WCW. So, yeah, I, like, I'm glad he's getting another push again. I guess he deserves it. Um, you know, he's on the last legs of his career, I suppose. Like, there's not much left for him to do. Uh, and he's actually kind of over, which I haven't seen in a long while. Like, I can't remember the last time Big Show was over. Like, I remember when he was, like, people were chanting for him to retire and to let it go and don't worry about it. But, yeah, now he was coming out, people were cheering for him. Like, well, that's a hell of a turn. Um, man, like, I was watching this match and I was just remembering back to the time when Rusev came out of Mania in a tank. Like, honestly, how the mighty have fallen because he looks like a completely different person and not in a good way. Like, the company has just been squashing him since he lost the US title, I feel like. Nothing's happened. And 
after he lost the US title, he should have done like what they did with Roman Reigns after he lost the US title. He went, I mean, he was already going for a universal title match, but they should have done that with Rusev, like make him a bigger player. And I think they tried to, if I remember correctly, which I probably don't, but I think they tried to do it for a bit, but I don't know, the company doesn't have faith in him or, like, I don't know, it's just, it's weird that he's so far down the card now, to the point where they're just putting him in a pay-per-view because they need time. Uh, the match, I guess, was alright, it was much better than the Cesaro Jinder Mahal match. Um, I thought Rusev, much like Sami Zayn at the beginning, wasn't going to have much offense at all. As it started. And I thought that the match was going to go quicker than it did. I thought it was just going to be like a two to five minute squash match. But, you know, Rusev did get some in. He didn't win the match. Like, he got chokeslammed like four times and then um, knocked out punch on the turnbuckle. But, so yeah, I guess uh, the match would be a five out of ten just because of all that what I said. Like, it was better than the last one. But, again, it was just a match to have. Before the Cruiserweights came out and they played the Austin Aries package, I couldn't help but wonder if he was going to get in trouble from... Vince talking about his package I mean obviously he was masking it around the fact that they were playing like a package about him but it's obvious what he was talking about I mean kids probably wouldn't get it so probably wouldn't get in too much trouble but it was just like you know just I guess he was pushing the envelope to see what he could do so after that it was Neville versus Jack Gallagher which I like Neville man I've always liked Neville since NXT since he was the champ there I liked him when he first started on the main roster he got a bit I wouldn't say stale but they didn't know what to do with him, much like Sami Zayn now, I feel. Um, and then he left for a while because he got injured. Then he came back and he was like a villain. Like I call him, like I like his, like I say, it's a villain gimmick because you know he was a superhero before. So they just um, changed it to a villain gimmick. Like I know it's like the King of the Cruiserweights, but I like more that side of it. At least that's how I talk about it. But yeah, this new villain gimmick that he has it suits him. I feel like I guess he can, he's very. I mean, the superhero thing suited him too like he's just adaptable and he does a great heel like he was a good baby face but being a heel just rocketed him to another level um he's probably one of the best heels on the roster i feel at least um as i was watching again with like you know when i was watching the one at, at the pre-show i always remembered like when cruiserweights used to fly and i do miss that like it was the main reason why they originally were so exciting and why i was so excited when I heard they were coming back they were finally bringing back cruiserweights after so long and I was like oh that's cool we're going to see some different stuff but they've just been normal and it's sad kind of like it kind of takes the wind out of it um, but yeah as I was watching it it was probably one of the better matches on the card um, the rebound suplex and phoenix splash that little sequence was fantastic I could watch it on replay time and time again um it was, uh, I was actually a little surprised, like, I think this was the only match on the card that got an awesome chant, and I was pretty surprised to hear that, like, just because one, they're cruiserweights, and two, like, I just didn't see it coming from the crowd, like, the crowd was pretty deadpan the whole night until that point. Um, they had moments of coming alive, like, when Big Show came out and stuff, but for most of it, they were pretty just, eh, this is, you know, it is what it is. Like, to be fair, I'd be pretty salty if I had to spend money on going to see that fast lane as well. But, so, to hear that awesome chant was good. The ending was a bit weird, but it was good to see the Red Arrow used as it hadn't been used in a while. Uh, like, it's always good to see Neville take to it. I'm glad he's not using it every match. Like, he has other things he can do. But, the fact that he's uh, using it for big, like, pay-per-view events and stuff, at least for a match like that, is, um, yeah, it was 
Great. It was fantastic. Um, I hope he doesn't ever use it again because with this new gimmick, like I feel like he needs to go in another direction. But again, every now and then, perfect. But anyway, I digress. We go back to the show and, you know, Paul Heyman comes out and cuts another amazing promo. Um, I just feel like I just feel like he needs to drop Brock, you know, like Paul Heyman is a magician on the mic, but he needs to drop Brock so he can move to another client. I just feel like he needs to start with someone new, someone who needs a push, like maybe Sami Zayn or say, like just someone, like maybe even Rusev, but I mean, Rusev has Lana, so I guess that wouldn't work, but just someone that needs a push to go to that next level because he can make anyone that looks like they're not going anywhere go to that other level and I feel like he needs to do that with somebody new like Brock's old news like people still care about him I guess but like he doesn't need Paul Heyman Brock can come out destroy a guy in five minutes go back and that's it he doesn't need anything else so yeah I feel like they're just wasting Paul Heyman with Brock but I understand why they're there I mean they're best friends apparently so I guess they just want to work together but I hope eventually they'll move Paul Heyman along to somebody else like if that's what he wants maybe it's not what Paul Heyman wants maybe Paul just wants an easy maybe Paul just wants an easy ride with the company and he can do that with Brock but I don't know we'll see after that the New Day comes out uh, and some ice cream thing and man I still really like the New Day but their story has been weak as hell I mean they're the longest reigning champs in history right but now they're pushing ice cream and they're gonna host Mania like does the company really have that little for them to do like they're a strong team. You could put them up against anybody. Like, you could even make them do something like a Raw vs. SmackDown thing. But to make them do nothing, like, is weird. And what the hell was Big E up to? Like, was he drunk or stoned or something? Like, it didn't seem like it added anything to their little, like, like, yeah, here's a new product ice cream thing that we're trying to sell. It's like they're kickstarting in the company. But anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, he was, like, licking the thing and he was, like, talking over them and touching their faces. And, like, if it added something to, like, a story, but I think it was just Big E being weird or something was up, like, he was just drunk or something. I don't know. It was so weird. The whole segment was just super confusing. I don't know what they were trying to do. It was... I don't know. Like, I just hope after Mania they come back and they start being their old selves because if not, they're going to get stale quick. And I don't want that. I mean, New Day, I feel like really good like they were a breath of fresh air to a stable product for a long time so hopefully they'll do something but if they keep doing things like this it's just going to be one it's going to be too weird for anyone to understand and two like they just people will get sick of it real quick so after that was roman uh the wettest hair in the business reigns versus braun Strowman. i uh, never thought i'd say braun Strowman is actually good as i said before but he is man like I feel like he's got, like he's leaps and bounds better than he was um, when he first started with the Wyatt family, uh, and even ever since the draft, like he's just done so much better than what he what he had been. Obviously, he still has a lot of work to do, but yeah, he's better than I could have imagined. Even like when you like when you saw him with the Wyatt family, I'm like this guy's this guy's just gonna be shit until the end of his career. Unfortunately, like you know, he's not gonna go anywhere, but. Man, was I wrong. And I'm glad I was. Like, you know, the company works well when you have good wrestlers. Like, there's always a bit of a dip when you have someone shit. I mean, like, with a Nia Jax match, people lost interest real quick. But, um, yeah, so I'm glad he's getting better. Um, uh, talk about Roman, on the other hand. Like, 
A lot of people say Roman sucks, like his in-ring ability, blah, blah. I think he has good in-ring ability, and his promos are getting better, I feel. At least a little bit. Like, his promos used to be fucking horrible. But um, sometimes he has really good promos. Like, oh, I wouldn't say really good. Sometimes he has good promos, decent promos. Like, you know, he's working towards it. But the thing that gets me about Roman Reigns, the thing that doesn't allow me to really kind of get on board with him, is he, he has the personality of a doorknob. Like, and you see it in everything he does. He just... Oh, man, he's got the, like, range of a teaspoon when it comes to his personality. And, like, and, and that's what detracts me. And I guess a lot of other people from him as well. Like, he just doesn't look like... He's just not likable, especially for a babyface. I guess as a heel, he would be better. In a way, because you don't really need... I mean, well, I say that, but Neville has a massive personality as a heel. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just his personality sucks. From what I can see from the TV, maybe, like, it doesn't translate or something. But, yeah, like, like I said, don't mind his in-ring work. Don't mind his promos. But it's just that little extra part to get to get me invested in him he doesn't have. So they're saying, like, as the match goes on, they're saying that Braun has never been pinned or submitted. I automatically think he's, like, the Oscar of the main roster, which... Made me chuckle a little bit. So after that, I you know, pay attention to the match. And I realised at the beginning, it's a bit messy. Like, there's a knee near the beginning that misses, like, his nose or something completely, like, by a mile. And just things like that, like... It wasn't the best match ever. It was... It was entertaining, sure, but... There's just parts of it that were messy and, like, the spots were missed and... I don't know, it just seemed like it was rushed almost. Um, also, the white bottoms of Rain's shoes were fucking pissing me off they were so distracting it's all i could look at for like sometimes like just wear all black or, or just wear all black because if you wear all white it's going to be distracting as well but just wear all black shoes because it's just going to be more confusing than i mean it's just at least it'll make the match less annoying and confusing because that like oh, it was just maybe it's like a thing that i have that it just clashes but it just annoyed me like to the point where i had to stop watching for a bit but all in all, the match was about a 6.5 out of 10. It had good spots, man, especially the announce table spot where Braun Strowman put Reigns through the announce table. But besides that, besides like the little spots, it was pretty by the numbers. And I feel like the outcome was wrong. Reigns should have lost. They should have kept it that Braun stays unpinned or unsubmitted for a long time. Fastlane is a wrong pay-per-view to have that outcome. And speaking about wrong, wrong outcomes, we'll go to Bailey versus Charlotte. As they were showing the like the hype reel of of Bailey versus Charlotte. They were showing Bailey with like these posters of like John Cena and and I can't remember who the other one is because they showed a couple but I can't remember who the others are. And I couldn't help think to myself, I wonder if those autograph posters are like still in her house. I feel like it'd be pretty funny to have like someone as big as her in the company have like other superstars autographs along their house. But I mean if she's a bigger fan as she says she is and like by the looks of it she really was I don't see why she wouldn't. I mean, I'd, I'd still have posters like that if I was ever in the WWE or was ever like in anything where I had people's autographs. Because, you know, it's, anyway, I'm, I'm going off track. I still don't think Bailey should have won uh, the title at all. I think she should have kept... Like, she should have won the non-title matches, but she just, like, say she couldn't make it in the title matches. And then she should have won at Mania. Like, she should have, they should have held that off at Mania... That should have been Charlotte's... Alright, finish her pay-per-view winning streak. Because they're obviously making that a thing. They keep mentioning it every time there's a pay-per-view. So it's obviously like a part of her career. Just like the undefeated streak was for Taker. This is her streak. So yeah, I feel like they should have held it back. Because 
just imagine how much it would have uh, meant to Bailey to win it at Mania for the first time. I just feel like it would have elevated her status as a superstar that much more. But I mean, even though Bailey definitely deserved to go, like as I was watching, it, I was thinking, even though Bailey definitely deserved to go to the main roster when she did, uh, she still had a bit. She still had a bit to go. She still had a, like a new kind of look to her, like. Obviously, her moves aren't as polished as, like, Charlotte's or Sasha's. I mean, even Sasha's is a bit messy sometimes, but her moves are a bit uh, messy for the best part. Like, she doesn't hit them as polished as she could, but she does get better, man. Like, each and every time she's on TV, she's that much more better of a superstar than she was the last time. Uh, and Charlotte's simply one of the best women in the company, if not the best woman wrestler in the company. Like, she's she was, you know, made to be a superstar. And you know, more power to her. I mean, if you're one of the greatest, be one of the greatest. And she is. And her offense is damn near perfect. The moonsault to senton spot was nicely done. I wonder if it was like originally meant to be like, because she originally almost missed that moonsault. So I don't know if she realized what she did and then flipped into a senton or if she, that was always the plan. But it was fantastically done. Um, yeah, uh, like I was saying, Bailey's a bit messy, but somehow it's acceptable from her. Except the Miss Springboard over that she did. That was a bit, a bit, oh, come on. you got to do a bit better than that. But, I mean, it happens, you know. People miss uh, spots, and sometimes it just, you just got to roll with it. And uh, and they did, and I give them credit for that. Um, also, <laughs> I'm sitting here still waiting for the ref to call a DQ on Sasha's interference. Like, how is that not an uh, interference disqualification? It, w- it wasn't a non-disqualification match. So call the interference ref, like, that's your job, pretty much. Um, but he didn't. Uh, it's such It was such a dumb way for Charlotte to end her pay-per-view streak. Uh, maybe I'm just a fan of streaks, I don't know. But I just feel like, they should, again, as I was saying, they should have held off until Mania. But for her to lose it, um, f- for her to lose it because of a Sasha Banks interference on a match, on a, like, it might not be the biggest pay-per-view match of all time, but it's still a pay-per-view match just felt ridiculous and I know they're building up to Sasha being a heel but they could have waited until Monday to do it um like I wish they they had done that more but I mean we'll see what happens I guess but yeah it was such a dumb way for her to lose that streak I would have waited till Mania personally but that's just me I mean I don't book the company obviously so we'll see um because of the heel turn that we all know that's coming I did expect Sasha to turn on Bailey at the end but it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, I just... Like, yeah, it was a weird ending. I just wish they booked it a bit better. Um, all in all, I give the match a 7 out of 10. It was probably the best match on the card. Uh, there was good back and forth. Of course, there was miss offense from Bailey. Uh, Sasha shouldn't have come out. Definitely shouldn't have ended Charles' pay-per-view streak. Um, I wouldn't have minded if Bailey lost and then regained that mania. Um... I mean, they were doing that with Charlotte and Sasha. They were hot potatoing the title like crazy. So to do it a month longer, not even like three weeks longer, wouldn't have really mattered. But, um, but you know, they're doing what they're doing now. I reckon they'll do a three-way at uh, Mania. And we'll just see what happens, I guess. Um, so the match after that, which is somehow the worst match on the card, is Goldberg versus Owens. <sighs> Look, we're all going into this knowing what, what's going to happen. Goldberg will win. Then Lesnar will be your Romania. Then we'll get another part-timer with the title, which is something that definitely that, that title does not need. When the title first was revealed, 
we all hated it. Like, no one was a fan of that title. But because of Owens, and I feel like Finn Balor could have done it too, don't get me wrong. But because of Owens, that title ha- is a lot less hated than what it was. He's brought that title up to a status it should be to a, like, it's a, it's a title you want to fight for on the Raw roster. And it should stay that way. But because we know what's going to happen, because Lesnar's going to take it, we're going to see it once every three months. It's going to lose all credibility. It's going to be like when he had the WWE title and we didn't see it for three months. No one cared about that title when it came back. It took a long while for it to regain the credibility it once had. So, anyway, I know it's going to happen and that's what annoys me. That's why I can't get into this match. But as I'm thinking of the possibilities, I'm thinking, what if there's a chance that that's not the case? What if Lesnar comes out and do to Goldberg what Goldberg did to Lesnar's match in No Way Out in 2004 against the late, great Eddie Guerrero? Uh, what if, like, that could definitely be the case? Like, because, you know, Heyman said that he can't say that Lesnar's there or not. So what if Lesnar is there, right? But the way they've, the way they've been booking it, it feels like Jericho's going to be the one that comes out and costs the match for Owens, which is going to suck if that happens. All I want, though, like, if I ask for one thing for this match, I just want it to last longer than the minute 26 or whatever it was with his match against Lesnar at Survivor Series. Um, when it first happened at Survivor Series, I'll go back a bit. Uh, when it first happened at Survivor Series, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. Like, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. But as I thought about it, even the same night, as I continued thinking about it, I was like, oh, no, it's the best thing ever. Of course it is. Like, it shows how dominant Goldberg is. Like, he's still, like, he's still as dominant as ever. It's not even Lesnar could, like, even Lesnar was surprised at him. Like, of course it's going to end early because, like, he, like, he had this, the element of surprise, blah, blah. Like, it was great. It was fantastic but if it happens this time around i think to myself it's going to be the worst thing ever there's no other way to look at it uh, it would just be it would just shoot Owens' credibility right in the foot um he needs to at least show that he can have some defense against goldberg and obviously attack as well but if it's all defense just let him last longer than let it be at least a 5-10 minute match let it look like it has something going and Goldberg needs that too because right now Goldberg just looks like he throws a spear he throws a jackhammer and that's it don't worry about it he can't do anything else and don't get me wrong Goldberg was never the best wrestler in the world but he always had something his matches always lasted longer than oh not always I mean he did have some short matches but after the initial like matches that lasted a minute or whatever he did have some longer matches and I mean he was in the elimination chamber at one point so I don't know like he has things he can do at least he did um anyway so the match starts and the crowd's loud as hell which is you know that that always adds to a match as i've said before so i'm glad that's happening i was um you know goldberg comes in he's people are chaining goldberg goldberg which is fantastic like that's always nice to hear it always gives you chills and he comes out um his entrance is as badass as ever probably one of the most in the in the history of the company it's funny how all these old dudes have some like cool entrances. Like Sting has a cool entrance. Triple H's entrance is fantastic, um, and Goldberg's entrance is amazing. Like, yeah, all these old dudes have like such cool entrances. Now I feel like it's so generic. Like they just walk out. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just not paying attention, or I'm, you know, I have um, nostalgia filled goggles or something. <laughs> but um, Owens comes in and out of the ring. For my liking, it's a bit too much. Like the first few times. Obviously, it was a mind game um, thing, and also trying to make the match seem longer than what it actually is. Um, so the first few times, 
yeah, right, that's cool. But like the fourth time, let's just get the fucking ring. Like, I just want this thing to start. Look, if we're going to get a short match, just get it over and done with. And then the bell rang. And then Jericho's music hit. And then it was all over. And I just thought to myself, what a bunch of shit. So, but like, in, what was it, 22 seconds that it lasted, we found out, yeah, okay, Goldberg won. That means Lesnar's going to win. Because look, if Lesnar doesn't win, there's no point to him not winning. That No one gains anything. Goldberg doesn't gain anything because we already know he can beat Lesnar. Lesnar doesn't gain anything. If anything, he's... Like I'm saying, like I said before, when um, Heyman came out, Lesnar doesn't need him because Lesnar comes in, wrecks shit, and leaves. But if Goldberg wins again, he loses that. And plus, beating Undertaker's streak would mean nothing if he loses to Goldberg for the title. So he's obviously going to win. That means we're going to see the title once every few months, and that's going to fucking suck. Even with Goldberg, we wouldn't see it that much. So yeah, I'm pissed about it. Um, as a rating of the match, I guess I give it a 2 out of 10 because fuck it. Like, it's the last thing... Like I said, it's the last thing the title needs for a part-time to hold it. Um, it's just, I, I'm like I knew it was gonna happen, and I didn't think I'd get so shitty, but I'm fucking just, I'm just pissed off about it. Um, then obviously they're gonna do a feud with um, Owens and Jericho most likely for the US title, but Owens should have been champ for a lot longer. The only person who should have taken it from him should have been Finn Balor, just because of how he had to let go of the title. Um. So, yeah, uh, as a whole, the show was about a 5 out of 10. Uh, pretty normal and predictable almost the whole way through. So about 80% of it happening. Uh, and the ending was shit. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat it. The ending was just fucking shit. Uh, but it is what it is, I guess. We just move on now uh, to WrestleMania. Um, as WrestleMania stands, I'm more excited for the SmackDown side of WrestleMania than the Raw side. I do hope Raw can pick up their game a little bit, kind of make small things right in the three weeks that leads up but I just don't see it happening I feel like they're going to focus more on Mick Foley uh, needing to leave for his knee surgery than anything else it's just the way I see it obviously they're going to focus on the universal title thing but I personally am not interested in the universal title picture Um, I'm more excited in the WWE title picture as it stands right now like I said more looking forward to Smackdown than uh, Raw which I never thought I'd say but There it is. But anyway, that wraps up the first episode of Breaking Kayfabe. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one for Mania.